I pray over this word that you would make it alive, that it would not be the words of a mere man, but that somehow, Father, through that inspiration, that anointing as we refer to it, that presence of the Holy Spirit, that you would do something supernatural here in taking these words and this message. Make my tongue as the pen of the ready writer and uh, cause every heart to hear what they need to hear tonight in the way they need to hear it in that special way that transforms us in your presence. And I pray and ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. Hearing God's voice. Does God speak to people? Is it weird? Is it odd if you were to say to a friend or a neighbor or an acquaintance, God speaks to me? Would you feel comfortable saying that? I know there's times where I'm not comfortable saying that depending on the circumstances. And not because I don't believe it, but because I'm trying to be careful in what it communicates. Is it necessary for me to say that? Now, some people just say that. Some Christians just say that out of religiosity. And um, I don't think it gets you anywhere with the individual who's not a Christ follower. But I do believe it's important for you to understand personally for you to embrace that God does talk to us and to feel good about sharing with others things that God has said to you if it's applicable because I think I think it, it solidifies it. it it makes it more sure in our life it makes it more real and alive when we share it. here's what Jesus said in John's gospel chapter 16 when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. Jesus said he's going to tell you things that he has heard, that the Holy Spirit has heard from God and from Jesus, and he's going to tell them to you. And then he, he's going to talk to you about the future. And I'm not just talking about end times and Jesus coming back and all of that. I think that's a very small part of what the Holy Spirit talks about when he talks to us about our future. Do you know the Holy Spirit talks to you about Monday morning? He's going to be talking to you tomorrow about your Monday. Yeah, he really will. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Well, how's he going to guide you? I mean, certainly it's not a physical grabbing your hand and moving you along physically. You're not going to feel that. So he's going to speak to you. How does he speak to us? There's three primary ways that God speaks to us. Number one, his word. And this is really the foundational way. This is the primary, first of all, foundational way that God speaks to us. Without this as our foundation about how God talks to us, the other two will never be clear. They'll never be 
robust in your life. And there are two other ways, primary ways in which God speaks to us. But this is the foundational one, and it is his word. Paul said, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now, what that tells me is that we need to place a, a certain recognition. We need to give to God's word, the Bible, the scriptures, a, a certain credence and, and authority and recognition that those are not just words on a page or words by men from a long time ago. This is God speaking to me when I read my Bible. Have you ever thought that through? That when you read your Bible, these are not mere words of mere men. They're God speaking to us. Now, it's easy for us, especially in today's climate, and you know I would be the first one to want to tell you it's important to exegete the scripture and to not read it with a flat reading uh, approach. And we've explained that in previous messages. And that it's important to interpret the context and the culture and who was saying it and look into the original languages. I would be the first one to say all of that is important. However, never ever allow any of those principles of study and interpretation to rob you of the foundational fact that your Bible is God speaking to you. When you pick it up, God is speaking to you. When you read its words, those words have power in them and they can transform us. They can move us. They can do things inside of us. They can ignite in us faith for God and love for people and all sorts of things, of course. They can bring about, God's word can bring about healing. Just reading the Bible, just reading scriptures can actually bring physical healing to your body when you're sick. I've had it happen. So God's word, the Bible, the scriptures, are not the words of mere man, but they are the word of God. So there is an authority that goes with the Bible, with the scripture. Here's another verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. Once again, notice, the Word of God, the Scriptures, the Bible, has the ability to bring into our life a maturity, a growth, an advancing 
through teaching and reproving and correction and training, when you read your Bible, you are availing yourself of God's thoughts and his thoughts move us and they bring us into a relationship that's deeper with God and with each other. So the Bible has authority. This is the first way God speaks to you is by reading your Bible. If you never read your Bible, the other two primary ways that God speaks to us that I'll share with you tonight are not going to be as vibrant, healthy, and real for you, and you're going to struggle. You're, you will always struggle to clearly and for, for certain know that God is speaking to you if you never read the Bible. The whole premise of God talking to us, guiding us, leading us, as we read Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. All right? This is part of the Christian life, part of being mature in your faith and walking with God, is founded upon reading your Bible and believing it's authoritative and that its words came from God. So in these first couple of verses, we learn about the authority of the word. But in this next verse, listen and see if you pick something a little bit different up. This is from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. So the first couple of verses dealt with the authority of God talking to us. This talks about our journey. Would you bring that door closed, please? Again. Hallelujah, the kids are having a good time. Praise the Lord. Could I get another shout? Man, it wouldn't hurt us to shout. Get so excited about Jesus, we shout. So these first couple of verses dealt with authority, but this verse here deals with something. I'll read it again. See if you, your word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. Lamp speaks of right now. It, it lights the immediate area. If you've ever stepped outside of a tent when camping up in the mountains and it's pitch dark except for the stars, you know you need a lamp. Now that lamp is only good for so many feet out in front of you or around you. So, in addition to the lamp, at some point you're going to need a light for your path. And here he's not just talking about a light beam, a flashlight, a lamp, a candle. He's talking about your journey in life. Lamp speaks to right now. Light speaks to our journey, our path in life. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but I can tell you from experience. Without the Bible, the scripture, my path, my journey would not be lit, would not be as clear to me. I wouldn't have the confidence to go forward and make the decisions that I make if I didn't have God's word as my lamp. 
By the way, regarding the obligation that you've got to read your Bible every day and you've got to read uh, something from the Old Testament, you've got to read a psalm and a proverb and then a passage from the New Testament, you know, those are, that's the typical Bible reading plan. There is nothing wrong with that. If you're, if you're committed to and disciplined in your Bible reading that you're following a Bible reading plan, great. You needn't give it up. But you needn't fall under condemnation if you miss a day. Or if you miss a couple of days. And you know what's, what you've got to be careful of with a Bible reading plan is whenever I would start one, when I'd miss a day or a couple of days, I'd add them on to the next day. And so now I had to make up. I had to read not only Wednesday, I had to add in Monday and Tuesday. And you get into a place of works and religion with that. And it starts becoming a duty and an obligation. And instead of being life-giving to you, all you're trying to do is perform. You think that by reading a certain quota, God is going to speak to you better. I love this quote from John Piper. Listen. Take two hours to ask ten questions of Galatians 2.20 and you will gain 100 times the insight you would have attained by reading 30 pages of the New Testament or any other book. Slow down, query, ponder, chew, end quote. Far more important for you to ponder, to chew, to slow down, to have the Holy Spirit speak to you and guide you regarding the content of one verse than to get through a quota. The second way in which God speaks to us is through our inner voice. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. Sweetheart, would you open one of these for me? And uh, thanks. Did anybody see a word there that we maybe could use for... Now, Jeff, this isn't fair if you've got notes, but you don't have my notes this week, do you? Okay, yeah. Do you have any idea? Were you raising your hand or praising the Lord or trying to get my attention? <laughs> I'll read it again. It's up on the screen, right? I can't tell, I'm not... Now, this is our boast, Paul says, our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. There's a single word out of that verse that I want you to see tonight that God uses to speak to you. Conscience. Conscience. He says, our conscience testifies or speaks that we have conducted ourselves. Hold on to that little phrase, conducted ourselves. Here's the next verse, Romans chapter 2, verse 15. For when Gentiles who do not, actually we're, I believe we're starting in verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, 
They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Did you see that in both of these verses there's an issue of behavior? And notice that it is a person's conscience that speaks to them about behavior bad or good. That is not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This, is at this idea that the Holy Spirit comes and, and he's going to show you your sin has absolutely ruined the relationship many Christians have with God and his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Because they think that guilty feeling they're having over something they did or didn't do is coming from the Holy Spirit. Well, why would you want to get to know more deeply the Holy Spirit when the majority of times... That, that he speaks to you seemingly, so you've been told, is to point out your sin. Paul says here that, verse 15, they show that the work of the law is written in their hearts. Moral behavior comes from a universal written law in your heart. And it's your conscience that bears you witness either your conflicting thoughts either accusing or excusing you. Holy Spirit doesn't come to make you guilty. Your thoughts do a good job of that. Holy Spirit comes to comfort you and lead you to righteousness. He leads you to a way out. Hallelujah. It's our good meter. Jeff, hold that up. The meter. The meter that you have there. Hold that up. Everybody look at this. You see that? That's how we know how loud to turn up the music. That's called a decibel meter. And some of you don't like how loud it is. Others of you wish it were a little louder. And um, we don't have a lot to say to either of you. <laughs> because Jeff has been instructed to use that professional expensive meter which judges the the impact of the sound, how loud it is. And then there are approved levels of loudness, approved for churches even, that worship music should rise to in terms of loudness that is a typical standard in an average church, at least like ours, that's more charismatic and has the kind of contemporary music style that we do. And he measures that and then turns it up or down based on that. Your conscience is like that. It's a meter that measures. And it lets you know when you're too loud or you're too soft. That's a wrong direction. That's a right direction. That behavior is unacceptable. Well, how do you know that? Did you read that? Did somebody tell you? No, I just, it just doesn't seem right. You know when you're driving down the street and you get angry because somebody cuts you off in the car and then, and then you speed up to get alongside of them and you turn and you do that one finger wave. What happens right away in your thought life? Even though you felt you were justified because of what they did and how they cut you off, your conscience moves in and says, that wasn't 
right. That even happens with people who don't know Christ, are passionate Christ followers. Why? Because we all have been given a conscience. It's an eternal, global, universal law within us about right and wrong. Paul's argument in the opening chapters of Romans is that that means nobody has an excuse to turn their back on God and refuse the gospel because everybody will have heard the good news about Jesus. Thank you, sweetie. By the way, the scripture also talks about the fact that some people's conscience has been seared. How many of you have ever barbecued a steak? Jack, you've barbecued a steak, haven't you? Grilled. Brad, have you grilled a, a steak? All right. What is one of the most important things that you need to do when barbecuing or grilling a good steak? to be sure that it's flavorable and juicy. You sear it. That's exactly right. And why do you sear it? Because it holds in the juices so that they don't escape while you're finishing the cooking. It's called searing. Some people who have seared their conscience have become so shut off to the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit so that he can't pass through those thoughts that you've created, those walls you've created. God's hurt me. The church has hurt me. That individual has hurt me. Or you know, I don't see anything wrong with this. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to, and your conscience is begging you. No, no, don't, or get some help, or change, or, and you continue to ignore it, and you continue to ignore it. And it's not God judging you and making you hard-hearted. Your conscience becomes seared to where even air, the precious air of the Holy Spirit, can't get through. Paul talked about the reality of a seared conscience in his letters. So that can happen. I don't believe that should be the state of the believer. I believe that for that to happen to a, to a, to a believer in Christ takes an extreme circumstance. But it is spoken of in Scripture. All right, you ready for number three? All right, what are the first two? What's the first and most foundational way God speaks to you? His word. What's the second way? He uses your conscience, right? His law is tied to your conscience. It primarily judges and speaks to you about behavior. Right? Now, if you never move beyond reading the Bible and behavior modification, you will be, of all Christians, the most legalistic and unhappy without number three. Promise you. A lot of people know the Bible backwards and forwards, and boy, are they 
they, they know what's right and what's wrong and they can preach it. This is right and that is wrong. That behavior does not please God and they want you to know it. And that's because number three is missing. Number three is his spirit. God speaks to us and leads us by his spirit. Here's what Paul said about that dynamic that I just shared with you about the relationship between numbers one and two and three and why it's so important to have number three in there. He said, the letter alone killeth. It is the spirit that gives life. Romans chapter 8, Jeff, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, true maturity in God comes by being led by His Spirit. What's that mean? God talks to you. You're strange. You're weird. You listen to voices. You see live people. <laughs> you see angels. You have dreams. You cry when you read your Bible. You're tender-hearted. There's people who have needs around you and your heart reaches to them and you want to love them. Somebody cuts you off on the highway while you're driving and you start praying for them. Lord, they must be having a difficult day. Lord, keep them safe and get them to where they're going safely. <laughs> I don't always excel in that one. <laughs> I've been known to give chase. <laughs> and I'm not proud. And I know the difference between the Holy Spirit Quickening me, speaking to me, Jeff, don't. Just take a moment. Now pray for that. Pray for that. They don't know God or they wouldn't have done that to me, Lord. Jeffrey. If you ever have the Lord use your full name. Jeffrey Bradford Gorson. That's what my mom used to. In fact, she'd, she'd go through it. She'd mean me, but she'd say, Jana, I mean, Mike. Jeff, I am so... Have you ever done that as a parent? You go through, if you have more than one child, you're fortunate if you only had, we only had one child, so we didn't have that problem. We didn't have to go through a list of names. We did plenty of other things wrong, though. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul brings out the most incredible unveiling and revelation of this wonderful relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. And I so rarely hear this verse preached on. Look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. 
No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know. Never again after this evening do I ever want you to utter the words, God doesn't speak to me. Oh, yes, he does. In fact, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And he speaks to you. How? Thoughts. He uses your thought life. You see, if you could make this transition regarding your thoughts, if you think like God thinks through abiding in his word, transitioning then from just saying, these are just my own thoughts, to hearing God's voice is very simple. Well, that's just my thoughts. Well, now, wait a minute. How do you know the difference? How do you think God's going to speak to you if it's not through your thoughts? When you say, well, that was just my thoughts. That's just my thoughts speaking to me. Well, how is God going to speak to you? See, the key is learning to discern what's going on with your thoughts, which, back to the foundation, is why it's so important to read scripture, because when you read scripture, you get familiar with how God thinks. And so when a contrary thought comes in, I mean contrary to the way God thinks, you immediately recognize that, and you just dismiss it. Paul called it taking our thoughts captive. But I'll say this, if you are abiding in Jesus. If you're abiding in Scripture, if you ask the Holy Spirit daily, Lord, I just, I surrender to you, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Guide and lead me as Jesus said you would. Make me sensitive to and aware of your leading. You can trust that throughout the day, your thinking, your thoughts are being led by the Holy Spirit. He's the one speaking to you. Now, how can I make such an audacious boast and claim when you and I know where our thoughts go throughout any given day? The absurdity to say, well, that's the, the God is speaking to me all day long in my thoughts. All right, well, watch this. Here's a key, key, key verse, and then we're going to have communion tonight before we go home. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are the children of God. See, when you invited Christ into your life, and you surrendered your life to him. The Holy Spirit took up residence in you. You are now God's temple. That's where he dwells. 
And the Bible says here in Romans 8, Paul is speaking, he says the Spirit himself testifies, he talks, and he confirms together with your spirit. See, your spirit now is in the very image of God. You are not the person you used to be. You, you, you have God's DNA. You are in the very image of God. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're God's kid. And so now the Holy Spirit lives in you. And together with your spirit, they're in constant communication, constant fellowship. Your spirit, some people call it their heart. I said to you last night, follow your heart. Why did I say that? Because I knew that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you speaking to your spirit is going to confirm what things are Jesus and what things aren't. Have you ever doubted that you're truly saved? Have you ever doubted? I mean, have you ever had moments, maybe it didn't last long, that that you really are born again, you really go into heaven, you're really saved, you really know Jesus, it really stuck. Have you ever had a time like that? Well, Paul says that the Holy Spirit will even confirm to you in those times where you are doubting, my prayers aren't working, I'm not feeling it, I doubt whether I'm even saved, I don't know whether that prayer, I really meant it, I'm not sure, I sure don't feel like a Christian right now. The Holy Spirit moves in there and says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You are. You're my kid. You're God's kid. You're his child. You're born again. He loves you. I say, boy, I've been through some rough times where it sure doesn't feel like that. That's why you need to read scripture. To renew your mind, your thought life. I said that last one was a key verse, but here's, here's like the one that unlocks it all. Watch this. Say key verse. Wake up. <clears throat> I need another drink, please. Everybody wake up. Say this out loud, real loud. Key verse. Key verse. Mm. John chapter 15, verse 7. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Now that's bold. And oh, by the way, this isn't like a disciple who's decades removed from the living Jesus, who just like dreamt this up. He had a bad pizza night. The camel was late. He was angry. I don't know. He just. This is Jesus saying, Read it out, out loud. Everybody together. Ready? Read. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. That is the power of God speaking to you. And what's the key? Abiding. Now, we don't really have an association with that word. I, I don't often use it in my vernacular. I doubt that you have used it in months, maybe years. Abide. Tends to sort of be old. So we don't relate to things that aren't current. 
They don't, they don't mean anything. So we read our Bibles and we read a word like that and we just, we go on and, and we don't try to dig in and understand. That's why Bible study is important, that you dig in and you try to understand what was Jesus saying? What were his disciples saying? What did the Apostle Paul mean when he said that in this context to that church and that people? Because you can't read the Bible with a flat reading, right? Watch this. This is a Greek scholar dissecting and unpacking verse 7 of John 15. My words find voice in you with your abiding in me and my words abiding in you. A conversation is inspired where you will request what arises in your desire from our union and it shall come to pass for you. That is a beautiful summary of this whole message. Had I started there, you'd already be home watching TV. <laughs> I mean, really. You'd be in your pajamas. You'd be watching your favorite television Saturday night show, sipping on a whatever you sip on on Sunday. I'm going to just leave that right there. I felt like my conscience said, Jeff, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> tell everybody what they're sipping on on Saturday nights. You see, the Lord speaks to our spirits, not in audible words, but in thoughts and impressions. And then our spirit takes that and he speaks that to us and says, hmm, Jeff, I think the Lord wants you to do now, it, the better you get to know the Lord, the more it becomes Jeff, would you? Just like in a marriage. You know, when you were dating, you always would preface things when you would say things to each other, didn't you? You, all, you preface things when you say things to each other. Now, there'll come a time, <laughs> should the Lord bless you with marriage, uh, uh, down the road, where uh, you'll be sitting in, in the room together and there'll be just be such a communion, such a, a oneness, such a sharing together of thoughts and life and so forth where you won't need to preface this. You'll just say, honey, I need a beer. No, I'm just, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I don't drink beer, so. That. But there is a way to communicate with each other where sometimes you don't even have to use words. You just know each other. You know, there's a depth of knowing each other and how you think. We can be driving along in the car and she can say, I'm hungry. Well, I have a choice. I can go to the left, I can go to the right, or I can go straight ahead. Now I already know not to go to the right because she doesn't like any of those. I can go down the center and she'll eat it, but she won't like me. <laughs> or I can go to the left and she'll like what we eat and she'll like me afterwards. How many of you, okay? It's things we learn and you can learn how the Holy Spirit speaks to you taking God's thoughts, God's will, God's plan, and he makes it alive to your thought life. Let's once more read the words of this Greek scholar. Could we do it out loud? Ready, Jeff, the Greek scholar here. Ready, read. My words find voice in you 
with your abiding in me and my words abiding in you, a conversation is inspired where you will request that which arises in your desire from our union and it shall come to pass for you. There is nothing more precious than a union with the Holy Spirit. And marriage doesn't even get close to the kind of union that you and I can have with God and His Spirit. So intimate, so close. And He will speak to you. And so that you know how to discern that, read the Bible. Study the Bible. And then practice. Get to know God's voice. Practice. And when he leads you and says you think he's saying something to you, practice. Go to somebody that knows the Holy Spirit. You trust their relationship with the Holy Spirit. Tell them what you think the Holy Spirit is saying.